0: KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Wednesday evening where we will continue our reflections into the world stage, which has us engaging movies and, and sometimes books and, and other times both, right? And of course, I am doing this with Father Mike Ritter, so Father Mike, great to have you with me another evening.
1: Hey, thanks, Joe. It's good to be here.
0: So Father Mike, uh, The Truman Show. Mm-hmm. As I noted at the very, very end of last week, right? You know, we go into watching these movies thinking we are going to see one thing. This is why we pick them, right? And then there's something that surprises us. And to some degree, you know, Father Mike, this is what we talk about.
1: Well, you know, and it's interesting, you, we dealt with this question uh, last week about, you know, what's the difference between doing what Hans Erzlan and is talking about and watching movies and drama and versus the Netflix binge? Yeah. yeah. And just, you know, whenever you get up to teach something, lead a conversation, be on the radio, you, you are the first learner and the first one who's kind of uh, being instructed by, by that effort. And just this discipline of getting on the air and talking about movies every week has, for me, been a discipline in paying attention. You know, and it's yeah. amazing uh, when one sits down to watch something, I have become deeply aware in a way that I wasn't before of the texts of mm. these movies, the words. Mm. This was poignant for me in a particular way with uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Yes. You know, we're yes. in the theater, and I'm just like, wow, this, this is rich what's being said. Uh, there's a great poem by uh, Mary Oliver. She says, prayer, I don't know what that is, but I do know how to pay attention. Mm. And probably the the most striking thing for me, just as a man and as one who enjoys cinema, who watches movies, or or watches something most days, is it's really been an exercise in just uh, prayerful, reflective attention. Mm. And I think that that discipline uh, emerging in myself has been a pleasant surprise that's been a fruit of this kind of group reflection that we've been doing, you and I and and our listeners.
0: Uh, Yeah, you know, Father Mike, I have to just interject. I want to promise our listening audience... That we did not talk about beforehand. What I talked about yesterday, because what you just said uh-huh. is a lot of what I talked about <laughs> yesterday, as oh, I was really? reflecting in the book of Genesis. Yes, yeah, so I have to interject and say, I promise to you, <laughs> right? And this is a plug for the for my study on the book of Genesis. Now, shameless, but <laughs> yeah, but no, I have to say, you know, we did not talk about this yeah. at all, and yet the very thing I was talking about yesterday was because God is attentive to the details, mm-hmm. right? We ought to be attentive to the details, and certainly in prayer, first yeah. and foremost.
1: So that, just as a discipline and as an overarching thing, has probably been the most striking, not, not specific to the Truman Show, but just to this whole endeavor. Mm-hmm. I, I think what this uh, movie broke open for me, the, the very striking uh, realization was that the whole premise of the movie, it's just not so far removed mm-hmm. from movies, actors, life, that um, this question of what is real and how we kind of prop people up and kind of consume them for our own uh, enjoyment, right? Enjoyment, and then yeah. when we're done, we kind of toss them aside. And so I thought, watching this movie, which which kind of begs the question: What is real life? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and the and this kind of consumer <laughs> culture that we have. I thought, man, um, is this not poking at a place at a kind of a tender place for us?
0: Yes. Yeah, and it's interesting. You use the word consume. Mm. Where does that word come from? Consumire, uh, To eat up, to use up, and waste. Yeah. And waste.
1: And we do that. We eat and waste people. And I, mm-hmm. and I thought, even, look, at, look at Hollywood and our, our obsession with uh, tabloid-type stuff. And we, we do, okay, the Truman Show is a wonderful allegory, I guess, not only for Christianity, but just for what our culture does to mm-hmm. people. We create kind of this... False identity, false world. We prop people up. We just eat the details of their lives. We turn them into kind of freaky people, and then we call them freaks and throw them away.
0: Yeah, yeah. You were talking about Michael Jackson before. Yeah.
1: Right? (laughs) I mean, in a sense, there was such a fascination. His whole life became this strange spectacle that was bought and sold, and then he was condemned for it and thrown out.
0: And we reduce them to what they can provide for us mm-hmm. and our own doing, if you will. We forget that they are human beings. Yes. No, we live here in Chico, California, and uh, which is, of course, home to Chico State, a very well-known party school. And so on Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, we have these bikers out and they bike around the city of Chico with these carriages in the back mm-hmm. that help people get home, right? And there's one particular biker who loves to blare Michael Jackson. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so if you are a resident of Chico, California, you are reminded of Michael Jackson all the time. And it's really interesting because as you were talking about Michael Jackson earlier, I was made to think about this biker and how even recently, Father Mike, I was encouraged to think about who Michael Jackson was as a person. Mea culpa. Yeah. I too, uh, growing up, just used up you know, Michael yeah. Jackson. I loved his music. I used to be into pop dancing, believe it or not. Right now, this is great. (laughs) I grew up loving Michael Jackson too. Yes, yes. we're gonna have to do a old program devoted to Michael Jackson. Yeah,
1: yeah. But we lose the dignity, the identity, the the real life of the person. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. They become this kind of public thing. Yep. Yep. And um, this is really the arc of the Truman Show, and the kind of the uh, it does point to the tragedy of uh, this situation when what von Balthasar calls the human need to reflect upon itself on the stage when it when it becomes perverse, yeah. and it becomes a, a consumption of people rather than a call to critical reflection and really conversion.
0: Amen to that. So as you've highlighted, Father Mike, the premise of the film is that, of course, Truman Burbank, this is his name, played by Jim Carrey, has spent his entire life on television, and uh, for all intents and purposes— he never knew about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, adopted by a media corporation after his parents contracted to give him up, Truman, in the end, is a victim to this vast hoax, yeah. if you will. Okay. All his friends and, and family are actors. His life really is circumscribed by a vast dome, which, oh, by the way, when you translate the Hebrew word for heaven, uh, the image there is canopy or dome. And, and mm-hmm. don't think that fell far from Peter Ware, who is the director of the Truman Show. Yeah. So, again, his life is circumscribed by this vast domed-shaped soundstage built just to house the cast. And from the cinematography, Father Mike, it really is a fascinating thing to just kind of take a step back and be entertained, mm-hmm. um, but to engage the movie for sure, as we are, very important. So, again, we have this dome- Shaped soundstage built to house the cast, to house the crew, um, and even the the special effects, which certainly come to play with the sun, the moon, and the weather. If you're looking for effects, you're definitely going to get it in this movie. Right. Ultimately, Truman Burbank's every move is tracked
1: and choreographed.
0: Everything. Yes, right? and and broadcasted worldwide to billions of viewers, under. The careful direction of a man by the name of Christoph, yeah, played by Ed Harris. I'm a big fan of Ed Harris, so I love that aspect. The kind of interplay between Jim Carrey and, and Ed Harris by itself, I, I thought, was most fascinating. And oh, really and, and he's
1: he's uh, great for the role. He's got such an intense face. <laughs> he does,
0: yeah, yeah, he does. So, really, the the story, Father Mike, turns on Truman's slow discovery of this fact: the fact that he is on the stage. Here yeah, we are talking about the stage, right? And the way in which he tries, uh, he tries to learn the truth of his existence, defy whoever is controlling things, and really break out of his little world. Mm -hmm. All right. So, in many ways, in this breakthrough, it is yes, uh, hilariously funny, profoundly engaging, but also I think deeply moving. Yeah. Uh, Now, Christoph calls himself, and I think. Here is where we really get into the allegory, Father Mike. Christoph calls himself the creator of yeah. the Truman Show. Um, he repels us with the staggering uh, hubris of a creature attempting to make himself God. Uh, cue the sun, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, so there's some dramatic language in this movie that really draws out this, this godlike figure. He is a reminder in many ways, Father Mike, of, of the old saying that the devil counterfeits god
1: yeah And you know what's striking about that if he is kind of a, a devil figure everything that he does is is uh proposed to be something good It's some service he's doing he's providing truman with a perfect life mm-hmm. rather than in uh, making him a prisoner he's uh, giving the culture something that they need and so uh you know i think that that's really how how uh evil always kind of works at this crazy kind of uh uh, imprisonment and this this false reality that he's created is is posited as doing some great noble service to to Truman and to the people who watch his show.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we were just talking about the consumere. I mean, <laughs> Christoph loves Truman only as long as he can own him mm-hmm. and use him. Yep. Right. It's really interesting to watch this movie and to see Truman really want to break free. Yeah. And Christoph realizes that he wants to, to be unbound. Yeah. right? So he goes out of his way to deter him, to instill fear in him, to make sure that he doesn't want to go to... And um, what is it, Fiji, right? Yeah, Fiji, yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, well, in the movie, Truman says, because it's the farthest around the world yes, he can yes. go before you start coming back again. Yes, which kind yes. Of a cool. Which image.
0: isn't that interesting, Yeah. the farthest point from where I am now. Like, if I can only get there, then I have uh, achieved the summit.
1: But the great kind of psychology of, of evil here, it really it's fear that's holding him in this false, wor- false uh, world. He has this traumatic memory of his father drowning, and it's all ocean to get out, and so I, I was struck by that. Just some of the way some of our wounds, some of our history, and our fears really keep us uh, contained uh, in terms of some of our illusions and some of our, uh, our falsehoods. I, I just thought that that was very insightful.
0: And amen to that. When you look at what was going on in the Truman Show insofar as what was holding him back in this fear, um, there was an absence of the joy of discovery. I have mm. found in my own life one of the things that has helped my own walk with God is the joy of discovery. Hmm. Encountering God in such an intimate way. And then as I do come to discover that there are all sorts of new vistas and avenues to walk down. (laughs) There's a scene in the movie where when he was younger and Christoph was really trying to discourage him from exploring, uh, one school teacher says, "Uh, well, you're too late. You can't go anywhere. It's all been discovered. Yeah. like It's all been discovered. That line as much as any other line really gripped me because I thought, no, it's the opposite. Yeah. God is inexhaustible. Yeah. There's always something more. God is the always more, right? Yeah. And here you've got this school teacher saying, it's all been discovered.
1: Yeah, that voice, and that voice permeates the whole film. I remember he, uh, one of the striking Moments for me, he goes to the travel agent and he's like, I'm getting out of here. I'm leaving, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to Fiji. And then on the wall, there's a poster <laughs> yeah. with, a, with a plane that's being struck by lightning yeah. and, the, and it says, this could happen to you. <laughs> yeah. But we ha- this is the kind of conversation that comes into our head uh, when we're trying to muster the courage to leap when we know we need to. Yeah. One, one of the uh, striking lines, again, getting into this psychology of the, of the drama of hmm. uh, freedom, um, Christoph makes the comment, he says, you know, the deal is, though, Truman, he loves his prison. Uh, I read a great book called uh, Addictions and Grace by Gerald May. Mm. And he says, you know, as soon as we try to, we, we begin to get free from some of our addictions, some of the things that bind us, the experience is desolation, not consolation, mm. because we're used to our chains. Mm-hmm. And, and I found that so true to a certain degree. we uh, We hate being prisoners, but we love our prison.
0: That's beautifully said, Father Mike. You know, if you were to really think about it, think about putting fear within the the context of sacred scripture. Uh, The first homily ever given was spoken on the Judean hills surrounding the little town of Bethlehem, where an angel appeared to a humble virgin in the simple town of Nazareth, and what were among the first words in that initial homily, but fear not, right? Fear not. Hmm. Oh, how that phrase is really echoed up and down sacred scripture when a being from a higher dimension breaks into our world, that being typically says, what? Do not be afraid. Because we are afraid, we crouch protectively around ourselves. Because we are afraid, we lash out at each other in violence. Mm. Because we are afraid, we cease to be who God is calling us to be. So confronting this fear, seeing fear as a challenge, not as something to draw back and run away from, but to embrace and overcome a challenge that we are to see as an opportunity, an opportunity to, to grow in Him.
1: Yeah, and th- that struggle for uh, freedom, let's say our, our struggle with our delusions, uh, it always kind of churns our world up, and you see that this perfect, kind of perfectly choreographed world that Christoph has created is getting totally uh, churned, you know, in, in kind of a violent way. Mm-hmm. There's a... There's a uh, uh, quote attributed to Shakespeare, though I've never been able to find it in Shakespeare, hmm. says that the truth maketh a bloody entrance.
0: The truth maketh a bloody entrance.
1: It's attributed mm. to Shakespeare. I haven't found it in his work, but uh, but you kind of see that in the movie, that as he's wrestling with the, the delusion, in a sense, that has been uh, his life, Truman, it really churns everything up in kind of a violent way. And, uh, you know, trying to step out of some of our own illusions in our life, um, we can see how that has that uh, churning impact. And it's a necessary, for Gerald May, Addiction and Grace, is that necessary desolation on the path to freedom.
0: Mm, That's beautiful. Now, Truman does have an ally, an ally to help him break free from this false world that he is living in. And this is uh, the great character of Sylvia, who in real life is Lauren. Uh, Incidentally, Uh, Something that I think is quite provocative is the name Lorne actually translates as guardian spirit. So we are made to see Lorne as this kind of guardian angel, if you will. And so Lorne we see as one constantly interceding, constantly interceding for for Truman. And just not interceding, but really rooting him on. There's a few scenes where they go back to Lorne watching the Truman Show, and she's intently... Uh, rooting for Truman to, to make the right decision, to to break free from this false world that he has been encased in. And as she's doing so, you can see this real ally emerging. And Father Mike, here I think we should note that we all have allies, certainly for, first and foremost in Jesus Christ, but in our brothers and sisters in Christ who bring to our attention uh, those things that need to be brought to our attention, right? We we create false worlds in our own lives. Do we not, you know, brick by brick, Hmm. brick by brick. We need people to help us understand that maybe the false world we are creating, that we are building brick by brick needs to come crumbling down Hmm. so that we might see things for what they are. Jim Carrey, uh, Truman Burbank was desiring to see things for what they really were. And, uh, Certainly in Lauren, you had someone interceding for him. So yeah, when someone comes to us to to help us break free from the false world, we should give that due attention for sure.
1: It poses an interesting question, and that is, you know, um, taking the analogy and, and trying to make it real, this man lives in a world where everything in a certain sense exists to serve him and is choreographed around him. I mean, that's not a bad gig. Why, then, is this insatiable need for truth, the insatiable need mm. to get out to a world that he's never known, a world that might be hostile, a world that doesn't uh, revolve around him the way that uh, everything does? Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you, we construct these things in our lives, too, and um, that, that man must be true, he must be free, that uh, you see that this higher value claiming, driving him in, in, in the in the movie. And, you know, just, it just it makes me think, if I were in his shoes, would I be fighting so hard to mm. give all of that a world that revolves around mm-hmm. my every move? Mm-hmm. But we do kind of try to create a world that orbits around us, uh, but it's not real.
0: Yeah, one of I thought the hidden messages in this movie was, you can have everything that you want, and it still won't satisfy your thirst.
1: Right, if it's not true... And if it's not, f- and if it doesn't leave you free, yeah. then um, it's subhuman.
0: Yeah. Um, incidentally, for all of our discussion on true, Truman.
1: Right? <laughs> the true, true man,
0: man right? Yeah. True man. Yeah. Truman, he is a creature, but he is one made in the image of the one true God, mm. right? The one true God. Certainly, we can see how Christoph, as a parody of Christ, really acts as a prince of his world. And one thing for me, Father Mike, that just really uh, rung loudly was that great fundamental truth that John Paul II would often speak to, and that is human dignity. Hmm. A human dignity that is rooted in a transcendence that surpasses all attempts by human creatures such as Christoph to own and manipulate. In Hmm. the end... As we are created in the image and likeness of God, and we are wired for God, only God can fulfill that deepest longing of the heart. Yeah. Right? Even if we are married, um, our spouses cannot fill that deepest longing of the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a reason why we all have to pass through that loneliness. Yeah. Right? Because in the end, it's there where we discover that we are made for something more loneliness does not have the last word yeah right no we are made for god and as such we are made to be in communion with other which of course includes god himself
1: right you know henry Nouwen speaks of loneliness as a sacred emptiness that a lot of times mm-hmm. we feel lonely and we say something's wrong with me something's missing from me rather than discovering something positive and that is uh, an emptiness which is really a radical capacity for god a sacred space that must be kept empty so that god can can dwell there you know and again what what becomes violent and what becomes consumerism um, is on display in this movie we see that uh, everybody i mean 24 hours a day is completely immersed in this man's fake life yeah there's one line in the movie where they say people leave him on all night because it's consoling yeah. And they're ah. just watching this man sleeping. Yeah. But but we that how loneliness can drive us to d- this kind of delusion or this kind of violent clinging to unreality. Yeah. Instead of discovering in what we experience as pain, um a radical capacity uh to to meet and to be with, to be for others, principally to meet, to be with, to be for God.
0: Yeah. Yeah, one of the distinct features of this movie is these scenes where you have people from all over the world mm-hmm. locked into the Truman Show.
1: Oh, yeah. And when the, the show goes off air for the first time in <laughs> 10,000 something days, it's yeah. like the, the world is shattered. It's yeah, shattered. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, uh, you know, maybe Truman isn't living a free life, but the world isn't free either. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and this goes back to what we were saying from the outset, mm-hmm. you know, how we have already kind of. Create a world where this rings true
1: and what i would say is loneliness is god's gift that is meant to drive us out of ourselves and freedom mm-hmm. into engagement with others mm-hmm. and the great uh, trick or the great perversion of that is that it turns me in on myself and totally ties me up in knots yeah. and we don't have to look much beyond ourselves to see that dome that we have built yeah. and some of the falsehoods that we build around our loneliness.
0: Yeah, and what are those falsehoods but the bricks I was talking about earlier, right? We have to identify those bricks. We have to identify those falsehoods if we are going to be free. And these are very unique for each and every one of us as we begin to seek what that freedom looks like. If, if we are truly going to be open to other, we have to identify those falsehoods. We have to identify those bricks so that we can then... Remove them, right, so as to uh, be free as we ought.
1: And where would we be without this deep, like, uh, driving need to connect with others, to reach out, to connect with God? I mean, that this is God's great gift, God's great impetus to a selfishness, self-giving relationship. Uh, loneliness is not something wrong with us. Uh, it's a capacity for something great. If we don't attend it properly, it can become very destructive. But um, it's
0: not ungraced. That's beautifully said. You know, we hear Christoph say, and really he's echoing Carl Sagan when he says this, but to Truman, um, this is all there is, or ever was, or ever will be. Mm. Um, Whatever you are experiencing right now, this is the definitive sum total. There's nothing else.
1: But this is like the definition of modern thinking. Yes,
0: (laughs) Yes, it really is. And this is why, if you were to ask me, Joe, why did you want to talk about the Truman Show, this is the reason why. That line, that moment in the show when Christoph was talking to Truman, there's a part of me that was saying, no, 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 there's so much more. Yeah. There's always something more.
1: I think this is the great intellectual poverty of our time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Bishop Barron, who I know both you and I listen to, says that uh, as we... Are consumed by the iPhone, the iPad, uh, iTunes, iDrives. What are we consumed by, essentially? The I, as opposed to other, as opposed to, again, the joy of discovery that comes with knowledge and wisdom. Yeah, you
1: know, you know I think the uh, the email address that came with my iCloud account when I first got it ends the the address is me dot com.
0: Isn't that interesting, though? Yeah, A- uh, the, the culture is speaking to something here that, again, we just need to break free from. Yeah, we're
1: talking about the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. That's
0: it. That's it. I mean, how many times have we heard that? And so we do need to break free from this and and really emphasize the other.
1: This is the false dome, the false heaven that we build around ourselves. Breaking out of that is going to involve stormy waters churning up. Uh, Jesus says, the truth will set you free. I would say, and I've heard it said, but it'll make you miserable first.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> amen. One of the last images, Father Mike, of this movie for me was, yes, Truman has finally reached the, the end of the dome, the end of this false world. And as he's leaving the dome, as, as he's walking up the steps and he's leaving the dome, there's this great moment, this great pause. Everyone was on edge. Mm. And for me, I saw this as, as a moment of of God rooting for us. Mm-hmm. God is rooting for us. There's uh, the great line from St. Bonaventure that when the angel greeted Mary and said, Rejoice, O highly favored one. And, and he put this great vocation before Mary, and she was inquiring into this great vocation before she said yes, there was this huge, huge... <gasps> in mm. heaven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, and then yeah. when she said yes, there was this exhale, yeah. right? Because she said, yes. You know, Father Mike, when, when we read at the end of the letter to the Hebrews that the saints are cheering us on, uh, this is the moment that I'm reminded of. Hmm. Um, to every decision we make, the saints are, you can do it, you can do it, you know, you can break free from these chains, you can break free from the false world that you live in, you can break free from the loneliness, and we just have to make that decision. Yeah. And to do so is life-giving.
1: So there's something to be said about what we build, our paradise, our heaven, our peace around. If, it, if it's not free, if it's not true, it's not holy, it's not pure, and it's worth fighting. It's Amen. worth struggling.
0: Amen. Father Mike, can you close us with a word of prayer?
1: Lord God, you call us to peace, to freedom, to truth in our lives as we uh, struggle to, to follow you. We ask for your blessing. We ask for strength, for peace, and grace. The Father, the Son, and the Holy, holy Spirit.
0: Spirit. Amen. Amen.